everybody. Welcome to Today in Space. I'm your space science podcast host from the East Coast, Alex Giorfanos. And that was the sound of my notebook falling off the desk. Uh, but welcome. Welcome to the podcast. It is February. Uh, we're recording this on February 11th here. And this week we're going to talk about a few things that are noteworthy uh, since our last episode. Uh, you know, the Falcon Heavy had its five-year anniversary, the fifth Falcon Heavy launched. Uh, we talked about that before, but I was thinking back, and I, I figured it was it was worth telling the story of like where I was, like how how long five years is, and how how almost in the blink of an eye five years can go by, and how much progress has happened with like SpaceX and space over the last five years. And uh, I'm going to share a little bit about, like, my journey here and, like, where I was five years ago because I'm in that place of the year where I'm, I'm just kind of reflecting and being like, damn, this has been kind of a journey. And that first Falcon Heavy launch with the uh, Tesla Roadster was a big was a big moment. So we're going to talk about that. And then the Starship Super Heavy Booster, Booster 7, successfully did a static fire, the most amount of thrust ever produced by a single rocket it was crazy. It was crazy. So we'll, we'll touch a little bit about that at the end of the episode here. But welcome to the show. First, as always, you know, if you want to help support the podcast, you can follow us on all social media. We'll be there following the more day-to-day stuff and, and sharing clips from the podcast. Uh, that's Today in Space Pod on Instagram. That's Today in Space Podcast on, what is that, Twitter and Today in Space Podcast page on Facebook and Today in Space on TikTok. You'll find us all over the place there. You'll be seeing some 3D printing stuff. We were 3D printing our Starship pen, which will eventually become something that's online. We're going through the iterative process, and I'm documenting that. And at some point on the YouTube channel, which I'll, I'll talk about, let you guys know here when that's up, but we're going to go through like the process of idea to real thing and all the steps in between that got us there. And, uh, you know, teaching you all more about 3D printing if you're interested and just talking about like how do we make things uh, in unique ways and how does that obviously transfer to space as we talk about more like crazy stuff that's going on, us living more or trying to develop more in space and live more in space as we move, you know, forward with like the Artemis missions and Starship which is going to be a huge, valuable piece of technology once it's up and running for human spaceflight. So, yeah. So, this podcast, follow us there. And uh, our AG3D Printing Lab is there for bringing ideas into reality. We're going to be printing things for the podcast here, visual examples, stuff to break down, like all the things we're doing. But also, our Etsy store, ag3dprinting.etsy.com. It's a place where you can get a gift, uh, some merch from the podcast, and really support us. And of course, if you have anything custom you want to do, we've got a few projects lined up in the lab right now where, you know, it could be anything from a really cool gift to like a prototype. If you had this idea either for like in the house, you wanted to make something easier or fix something that's old and they don't make it anymore, but you've got a spare part and we can we can make more of them. 
Or if you're like a small business or you've got an idea you'd like to create into a business or sell to people, we can hash that out. We can make you a first version and and we do all of that at AG3D Printing. So our website, ag3d-printing.com is where you can find everything. Get a free quote for your next project. ag3dprinting.etsy.com is where you can find us uh, to support the podcast and our Etsy store. And we'll be putting out more of those designs as the year goes out. So, um, and you can follow us and see what we're we're doing here at AG3D Printing on Instagram. So, uh, AG3D Printing, bringing ideas into reality with 3D printing. Uh, that's it. Thanks. Uh, and our other sponsor, Manscaped. If you haven't heard, Manscaped now sells beard products. That's right. They are once again revolutionizing men's grooming with the brand new beard hedger pro kit from a beard trim to a fresh shave the technology behind the beard hedger pro kit allows you to shape your signature beard now you can finally use manscape products to make your drapes match your carpet by going to manscape.com and using code space for 20 percent off and free shipping i am now in what is this, my third week with the beard hedger and you know I, in the last episode, we talked about this, like, I never really took care of my beard, and my hair is so thick, like, each each piece of hair is just thick, so it, it was actually tangling up, and as I was using the Pro Kit, uh, which has the, uh, it's got the brush, and it's got, it's got so many things for my beard that I didn't even think I needed, and... That's been great. The beard oil has been great. The beard balm, even the beard shampoo and the uh, beard conditioner I've been using. It's been like good, especially like with mask face. You know, I was out uh, sick this last week. So anywhere I had to go, I had to wear a mask and your beard, you know, it's just a filter. It just sucks up smells and everything. So just think about what you must have smelled like if you had a beard with a mask on. But the great thing is that the beard shampoo, it's got this uh, great like almost you're going to the barber smell. Uh, it just it's just solid stuff. If if you're looking to go to the next level with your beard, if you actually want to grow it out and you want to have the right tool to manage it, that's what the beard hedger is here for. So it's time to tame your mane. No one likes a weird beard. So say goodbye to all your stubble trouble with Manscapes Pro Beard Kit. It all starts with the beard hedger. This thing is a juggernaut of fixing faces. It's got a cordless trimmer. The rotary reel has 20 hair cutting lengths. I'm up at like five now for my length. And it's cool. I, I've actually been kind of doing like a fade on some of my beard because there's just certain areas that are more dense than others. And I actually like certain places with shorter, uh, you know, hair length. But I, I, I wasn't able to do that. You know, where was I going to, you know, how many different heads and, uh, uh, clip-ons for the beard lengths would I would I have to have and would I even remember where they were did I lose them never mind like dumping out all the the bag there's always hair on it's just it's ridiculous and so I would always just go down to like one length but the cool thing about this is that I can just with a scroll of the wheel just kind of move over to the next one it's a great and you can even take off that one guard and you've got this beautiful it's it's a single titanium coated blade uh, I've been seriously enjoying it. So if you want to join me on the beard journey, get 20% off and free shipping with code word space at manscaped.com is 20% off free shipping at manscaped.com and use code space manscaped beard hedger, one stroke, one guard, 20 lengths. Thanks for supporting us. Now back to the show. 
All right, so it, it is the five-year anniversary of the Falcon Heavy. And when I think back to five years ago uh, with the Falcon Heavy, I never would have thought like this year, right, 2023, there's supposed to be five potential Falcon Heavy launches this year. And we've already seen one. And thinking back five years ago, that's 2018. And where I think about where I was in 2018, uh, I was, we were still doing the podcast. I had, I had just spent a year after I had quit my day job to start AG 3D printing full time and the podcast full time. And I had it in my head that I would be able to, uh, bring in as much money as I would as an engineer and really just was betting on myself. I was at that point in my life where I, yeah, I was just trying to prove something. And I did it, and I went a year, and it's not that I was unsuccessful in making money, but the, yeah, you know, I am 33 years old, I'm a millennial, there are student loans involved, and I know I'm not the only one uh, who is, who's, you know, there's so many people listening to this podcast who are dealing with that or have kids who are dealing with that. And it is definitely a weight on your back. And so for a year, I tried and learned a lot. I, I really, there's something about the experience of like digging deep and survival of a small business that's extremely exciting but it's also extremely stressful and i i got to this point where it felt like we had done all this work we've got this great thing but the extra revs at the time which is 2018 to to get things to the next level where we could be doing anything you know this is a parts business this is 3d printing it's a lot of it is a last minute there's waves, there's droughts, that's manufacturing in general. I learned that in my my early days in my career when I was working at an ingestion molding shop in Connecticut and was learning tooling and that whole mastery, that whole science and art of tool making and manufacturing. And there are waves, you know? Like the best case is that you're bringing in business consistently and then you have, case, you have uh, business that's, you know, every you know seasonal and then if you line that up right you've got consistent work but that it never works that way and you're always trying to find a balance and so that's what I found myself in I was I was familiar with it but I also knew that there was like I just didn't see anybody I, I spent all my time working on that and that's been a lesson I've I I get really into the work that I'm doing and I love it and it's creative and it gives me a lot of balance but you know, in at that point in 2018, you know, getting a gig that allowed me to continue doing what I was doing, the podcast, the 3D printing business, let that grow, but pay my bills. It was, it was a, it was five years ago, it was a big moment of kind of learning and growing and saying, hey, look, like, you don't have to give this up. Like, the, it's actually not failure. It's actually, you, you spent time, you know, I was, I had, you know, graduated, later than I wanted to, but, you know, 2015, and then three years later, I 
had worked at a place I, I personally wasn't at a good place working there and it just wasn't capturing my interest and <clears throat> my 3D printing lab and the podcast were. So I banked on myself, did that, it didn't work, but I ended up getting to work at Apple as a uh, technician. I would I would repair phones. I would deal with people's troubleshooting issues. It was my first job in tech. It was also my first job in retail, and I I referenced that a lot here on the podcast because it was a it was a really fruitful time in my life. I met some great people. I learned a lot about the human side of technology and engineering, and realizing that the same mindset I used in my studies as an aerospace engineer or as a tinkerer and a maker were not necessarily the things that I needed, that I had for, say, sales or for, you know, the the business side of things and the human side of things. You know, you, there's a different thing when you're talking to somebody whose phone isn't working, their whole life is broken, and you are the person in between, whether it's your fault or not, and it's, it's no, almost never your fault, the fact that they're there, right? So you, I, I learned patience. I, I learned a version of patience, I should say, because it's not like I learned the whole concept of patience. Still learning that lesson. But I learned a very valuable balance of science and people and this kind of like amazing customer-facing experience that brought me to the job that I have now where I work in customer uh, success and I'm an engineer and I help people with their additive manufacturing issues with the technology and we get to learn all these different systems and it's it's amazing and I wouldn't be there if I hadn't gone in retail and learned the human side of things so five years ago was a was a really crazy time because I was already working at at uh, Apple I was at a local uh, mall and I remember the Falcon Heavy inaugural launch of the Tesla Roadster which was, you know, a lot of people got upset because they were like, oh, it's a publicity stunt. But yeah, of course it's a publicity stunt. People forget that even back in 2018, I mean, SpaceX had been fighting the good fight for so long, but there was still a lot of anti-space, space anxiety, uh, you know, shuttle anxiety. There was just this struggle for anything other than NASA to get forward. And, you know, people were still... You know, SpaceX had gotten popular enough that by 2018, people were mentioning SpaceX. But, you know, five years ago, it was a very different popularity. And the Tesla Roadster launching into space was one of those really big, public, iconic moments that captured a lot of people's attention in ways they never had, especially with the double side booster landing, which has become this thing that people talk about and... You know, I was able to last to to watch the last Falcon Heavy launch with a good friend of mine, uh, John, who's been on the podcast before, and it was cool showing him that and seeing and seeing the you know that's one of the reasons why <laughs> I wanted to go online and talk about space was because like showing people for the first time a different a different aspect of space and that's what SpaceX was doing is they were in every aspect of that first inaugural Falcon Heavy launch they were showcasing brand new technology and new approaches to space and you know that was the fact that we even have the falcon heavy is due to some people that took massive chances and probably worked themselves to the bone and further down into the marrow <laughs> to get this to work and you know to think about 
how much has come now where the five years later, we have the potential to have five Falcon Heavy launches. That's that's 15 boosters. That's, you know, like, it's crazy to think about it. And, you know, the, the Falcon Heavy is a really interesting rocket. Like, right now, it's got 5 million pounds of thrust at liftoff. And it, as SpaceX says here, it's one of the most capable rockets flying. By comparison, the liftoff thrust of the Falcon Heavy equals approximately 18 747 aircraft at full power. Falcon Heavy can lift the equivalent of a fully loaded 737 jetliner, complete with passengers, luggage, and fuel to orbit. Although I would not want to be on that 737 jetliner, uh, <laughs> especially through Max Q. But the demonstration of this brand new rocket, and then the Roadster itself—that in itself was a was a different way to look at it that promoted space in a way that was very necessary to get us to where we are five years later here and you know before again it's interesting I didn't even think about this when I when I was putting this episode together but thinking about the customer side of things right the how do you get people excited about technology Apple was very good at that and what I learned there was you know when you have a really good brand and you're able to talk to people about it there's something you can do there's a there's a level of connection that the technology has and and if it was just about if science and technology were just about the science and the technology people wouldn't have an interest in it it's also about what it means for us as human beings we are human beings at this time and that is that is <laughs> that's the reality is that if you really want to make it not necessarily mainstream, but accessible to more people. You have to reach people as people. And sending a square or rectangular block of mass on a rocket to as a like an inaugural flight to prove that it can lift kgs, like that's such an engine. Like it's it's logical, but that doesn't mean that it's going to get people interested in space. And it doesn't have to be that dry, and that's what the Roadster did. You know, that demonstration of the Starman in the front seat and the Tesla Roadster and just all the little things that make us feel good. Like, it, I go back to Voyager, Carl Sagan, and, you know, I think maybe because maybe because it's Elon Musk and maybe because it has this brand uh, uh, flair to it that maybe people are from the Carl Sagan era are put off from it, but it is the equivalent idea. That's the intent is to, is to get people and human beings more involved in space. And that inaugural launch was amazing. I mean, we, uh, part of our, our logo, our, our logo, our background is the, the Tesla Roadster from behind facing Mars. Cause that's, you know, that's where all of this leads to, as we're going to talk about here in a second here, the starship, uh, the the ex mere existence of SpaceX uh, and the Artemis program, like all of the efforts of space for the first time in a long time are aligning in the ultimate goal of Mars, but using the moon as a stepping ground and a place to return to where we have data and, and we can set up infrastructure before we make our move to Mars, which will be 
uh, as difficult to get the first humans there as I would say, well, probably more, as the Apollo missions to get to the moon for the first time, but then we have to do what we didn't do in Apollo, and we have to set up this long-term duration space flight so that supplies can be en route to Mars at a consistent basis and allow, you know, human life to exist there uh, in all of the scenarios that it may need and all of with all the error, right? With all the stuff, we need to have regular communication abilities set up and we need to have regular um, orbital paths basically filled with uh, routine supply <laughs> and uh, stations and places like that to go. And that's a, that's a lot of work, and it's not going to happen in five years. And it's probably not going to happen in ten years. But there's so many little steps along the way that we want to cover. So um, we're really, really excited for that. And it's all the ultimate goal of Mars. Like If we're going to go to space to stay, this is our, our path forward. And the Starship is a huge piece of that. And so recently um the starship super heavy booster booster 7 had its static fire now the super heavy booster has 33 raptor engines on board which are just monstrous engines and uh, they're in their second iteration now where uh, they've gotten sleeker and and more simplified uh you know once the proof of concept again iterative design to a certain perspective you know especially with space flight, you know, mass regulation is huge. So if you can reduce the complexity of something, which then ideally would reduce the weight of it uh, and make it more reliable, then in the case of a reusable rocket uh, infrastructure like the Starship and the Super Heavy Booster, I mean, that's going to be key. You know, you can't... The, the, the big thing about this test, the static fire test of 33 engines was, you know, I think I was watching the NASA space flight... Uh, broadcast which they're so they're so good at what they've doing. they've been doing it for so long and they, they have a very very good broadcast if you haven't watched already i'll put that up here if you want to but it is uh it, it the i think it was like 18 engines was the most that had ever been fired at one time and so you know this 33 engine attempt was slated to be historic now had 33 engines lit at the same time uh there would have been some more extra history uh that's not that's not a grammatically correct phrase there would there would have been uh, an even bigger historic perspective to this but that does not mean that this static fire test was any less historic i mean 17.5 million pounds of thrust which is absolutely crazy the sls was i think 8.8 .8 million pounds of thrust or 8 million pounds of thrust depending on the variation i forget but regardless basically half the thrust that the starship produced with 31 of 33 engines uh, so it wasn't a full 33 engine static fire but the rocket was still intact afterwards and those engines could be reused the structure of the super heavy can be reused and that's a a lot of confidence for nasa to be one of the first people to actually put humans on board this most massive rocket of all time actually technically it is the the rocket with the most thrust of all time. So that 17.5 million pounds of thrust is the most thrust 
produced on a rocket, a single rocket, ever. Uh, and the, the one before this was the Russian N1, which was 10.5 million pounds. And I think, I think it had the same amount of engines, so uh, of 31 engines. So I don't believe that the, the static fire test for the Super Heavy was flawless to say, but that doesn't mean anything when you consider that it was kind of a conservative conservative approach. You know, one of the interesting things about Boca Chica at Starbase is the proximity to human beings. One of the things that the Space Coast in Florida has is that, you know, the majority of the land there around it is preservation. So, you know, you have these rocket launches going off and it's, it's regulated to make sure that, that wildlife is cared for. Um, where Boca Chica, they're, they're just going through the initial phases of that, right? They had, they already had an environmental impact study that they were able to get to the point where they could fire this giant thing. You know, there was a scare there that they might not have been able to, but, you know, Boca Chica has been slowly bought uh, out the people that were living in that village. You know, it's, if this thing had exploded, that would have been terrible. And that's part of the reason why I believe they didn't fuel it up all the way with methane. And they were discussing this on a NASA space flight uh, perspective because of the proximity to human beings. You know what I mean? Like the, it's also, we saw tons of wildlife fly for the first time. I mean, they have been, you know, the, even, even cows down there too, right? Like there, there are space cows down there, uh, and the the wildlife, the birds that took flight after that, you know, few seconds static fire, the largest demonstration of thrust ever produced on Earth. They were scared, and I'm I don't blame them. <laughs> I mean, it must have been so loud, but um, there it, there's there's a lot going on in Boca Chica, and you know, as it was recommended to me when I was down in Florida at the. Uh, at the Artemis launch in, or the attempt in during the summer, August, September, um, Starbase is, is becoming more and more popular. And at a certain point, once they start doing these launches with all of this thrust, there is a collateral damage that's going to start a uh, zone that's going to start uh, developing down there as things become more and more involved with NASA and eventually military applications and these regular launches that Starship kind of has to do in order for it to work, remember, they have to launch tankers as well because they have to launch the Starship to orbit, which will deplete most of the fuel. And then they'll need to fuel Starship fully in order for it to really have its full capability. And we've got to see how many of those tankers it's going to take for certain aspects of the mission. But, you know, the next major thing, the first people that are going to be on this Starship rocket, according to um, Gwen Shotwell, the other day is the Artemis mission. So, you know, the Dear Moon mission is going to happen after that, and there'll be there's going to be the Polaris mission on a starship eventually. Once we get the Crew Dragon and the Spacewalk ones done, like Polaris done, there's a lot to be done, <laughs> and it's an exciting time. But it's also a very uh, there's so much change happening. And honestly, for me, I don't know if this is the case for you, but I'd love to know. Hit us up at todayinspacepodcast at gmail.com or comment on, on any of our on any of our social media platforms but or post about this. Like, 
space during the pandemic, uh, the boom we had, especially in the human space flight, like Bob and Doug on Demo 2, who they just, they just received the Space Medal of Honor, the two of them for the Demo 2 mission and, and reinvigorating uh, human space flight again for the U.S. on that test flight of the Crew Dragon. Um, you know, that happened at the height of the pandemic, of the lockdowns in 2020. And uh, to see that and Inspiration 4, I mean, it, it, it's seriously emotional. And I don't know if it's the symbolism of humans breaking out of the shell of Earth, which was kind of all of our homes or wherever we called home during that time. But uh, there's something seriously symbolic about human spaceflight in this 2020 era and beyond. So we're really looking forward to it, and we're happy to have you guys along for the ride. So thanks for joining us on episode 297 of the podcast. Thanks to our sponsors, Manscaped, and of course, our uh, 3D Printing Live AG3D. We'll have more from AG3D uh, in the next coming weeks. We'll, we've been in the lab. We've been uh, uh, tinkering, and we've got some cool stuff we're going to show you soon. But in the meantime, spread love, spread science, be good, and we'll see you on the next episode of Today in Space.